Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Word of God today, Hebrews chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles with you, open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. If you're in person with me, open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be reading from verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Well, I hope you've enjoyed Lavember as much as I have, church. It's always fun, but more than that, we, always, we hope that it's always helpful. We hope that it's something that is actually giving you practical wisdom as well about what to do in your different relationships. See, if the great commandment that God gave us was to love God and to love people, then it's so important that we take the time out to work out how to do that in a healthy, biblical way. But as we come to the end of this series, you may have noticed that we have not answered the, the basic question at the heart of our relationships, which is this. How do we love the Lord our God in a long-lasting relationship? How do we do that? And so that's what I want to get into today. Because at the end of the day, if we cannot work out how to do this relationship, church, now hear me, if you can't work out how to do this, you are not going to work out how to do any of the others healthily. You're not going to work out how to do any of your romantic relationships, your friendships, your family, your workplace relationships, the way that God wants you to. So let's dig into this. Because you need to know how to reach this goal in order how to manage any other goals in your life. And the only way to reach that goal is through passion and persistence. Passion and persistence. Let me tell you about a goal I had that involved passion and persistence. When I was a little bit of a younger man, I lived in Japan for a year. And in that time, I had the privilege to travel around, do lots of touristy things, didn't have a whole heap of disposable income. They all went towards two things, tourist events and saving up for an engagement ring. So it all went well, but still. That's where all my money went. But the top of the bucket list for me was Mount Fuji. I wanted to climb Mount Fuji and watch the sun rise over Japan. It's called the Land of the Rising Sun. So I thought, that sounds like a thing that I should do. So I went there, and I was all set to go one week, and then there was a typhoon that came in. And so the Japanese um, team that worked with me at the school I was working at begged me not to go because it was dangerous, and frankly, I wouldn't have thought of that. So they just begged me not to go. So I had to put it off another week, which meant it was outside the official climbing season, but the weather was much, much better. So I went to go to Mount Fuji. Now, Mount Fuji is 3.8 kilometers above sea level at its top. It's a former volcano. Well, it's a dormant volcano, not a former volcano. And so there are risks involved in climbing Mount Fuji. And I went and by myself all day hung out at a theme park nearby. And then at nighttime, I was like, all right, I'm ready. I knew I needed to be at the base of the mountain at 10 p.m. in order to get up to the top at around 4 a.m. so I could watch the sun rise over Japan. Even as I say those numbers, I'm thinking I would never do this again in my life. But that's fine. That's fine. 
And so I got the train from the um, place, the, uh, the theme park that I was at down to, towards the town around Mount Fuji and I went to get on a bus and then I found out that because it's not in the official climbing season, the buses don't come any, every 10 minutes anymore. They come every hour. That's a big difference. The internet back then was not quite as fully fleshed out as it is today. And of course, it was all in Japanese anyway, which was not as helpful for me. And so I just had to go, well, am I going to wait 50 minutes for a bus? I can't do that. So I'm walking. I'm walking. Now, it was 30 kilometers to get to where I needed to get to. I had about three hours. That doesn't compute, in case you're wondering, as a walking speed for somebody with my kind of capacity. So I started to walk. I was like, this is fine. This is fine. Don't do maths. Don't do maths about this in your head. Just, this is fine. And I walked about 7K, and I'm like, this is not fine. I can see how much my time's ticking down. And so I flagged down a taxi, grabbed it, and it took me towards what's called the 10th the level, the 10th base. And at the 10th base, there's a gate. We're now 15 kilometers through the journey. So I've walked for seven, driven for eight, and we get to the gate, and they want 20 bucks to let the taxi through. I'm like, this is outrageous. It's only 15 more k's. I'm walking. I'm walking. So I did it again. I did this twice. I got out again, went through the gate, and started walking. By this time, it's getting quite dark. I've got the iPod blaring, again, iPhones. We had a phone and an iPod. What a time to be alive. Very full pockets. I had the iPod blaring, and I've got a little torch out because it's getting dark. Then the iPod goes flat. Then the torch goes flat, and it's pitch black. There are no cars, and I'm suddenly remembering all the death cults that live at the base of Mount Fuji. And I, my prayer life got really good in a hurry, really good in a hurry. I got about another 7K and I started thinking, if I ever see another car or frankly, another human being again, as long as I live, I'm gonna flag them down and make them take me back up. And eventually, out of nowhere, this car comes down and I jump in the road, waving them down and flashing money at them. I'm just holding yen in my hand like I'm on a Japanese game show, flashing it at them. And these terrified Japanese students, like I'm banging on their windows, showing them money. And eventually they let me get in the car and they turned around and they took me up to the base and I got to the fifth base where I needed to start at exactly 10 p.m. And then I climbed the mountain. <laughs> That's a whole story for another day. And got to watch the sunrise over Japan. The point is this. That was a goal that required passion and persistence. You don't go to climb a mountain unless you're passionate about it, church. And you don't actually climb the mountain unless you're persistent with it. You've got to have the passion to start and you've got to have the persistence to finish. And I believe most of us are very gifted at one or the other of those. We're good at having passion in our lives, but we flame out with our persistence. Or we're good at being persistent, but we have very little joy and passion in what we do. So today I want to help us move to the idea that God has for us all, that the biggest relationship of your life is with God. That's the biggest relationship with your, in your life. And that the goal of your life is intimacy with God. And the only way to do this is to cultivate a passion and persistence in your spiritual life with God. Now, we are in a spiritual moment where the dynamic of the church in Australia is changing. Pastor Jen said earlier that this year, earlier this year, what feels like about 10 lifetimes ago, we released our missional goals for 2020 and preached on them. And you, you can check that out online. And next week, we're going to launch our 2021 missional goals. What we are about next year, I cannot wait. It's going to be a vibe. And last year, our number one missional goal in 2020 was to develop resilient disciples to develop resilient disciples. And the reason we did this was in response to what we saw as a discipleship issue across the church in Australia. 
There are, broadly speaking, two kinds of churches you'll find in Australia. The first are people driven by uh, a culture of what I'd call structured worship. Structured worship. So think Anglican, Catholic, Lutheran. Think standing and kneeling. Think regular communion and receiving that communion. Think call and response type prayers. And then the other one is what I would call a culture of free worship. And when you think about that, think more about Pentecostal, ACC, youth group, Easter camps, revival crusades, Hillsong, emotionally charged worship, apostolic prayer. Now, neither of these are right or wrong. They are two different types of ways to worship. One is more structured, one is freer. And Mark Sayers talks about this. He describes these as the form and the fire, the form and the fire. Because the form is about the patterns and habits that we build that intentionally form our discipleship. And the fire is about the presence of God in us that transforms our lives and our hearts to do what human strength cannot. And it seems like, at face value, we've split up the churches in Australia and there's this overall decline. That's the narrative you hear in the media. That's the uh, census data you see that Christianity in Australia is decreasing. But what the census data doesn't really point to is the fact that church attendance actually isn't decreasing at all. It stayed exactly the same over the last decade, which tells me something. That tells me that cultural Christians, people who dipped their toes in the water and wanted to see what benefit they could get out of Christianity, are leaving, but the resilient disciples are staying. That in the face of increasing opposition to faith, resilient disciples are buckling down and leaning in. And that is the challenge for us in 21st century Australia. Can we be resilient disciples? Can we be people of faith who are leaning in, who are present, who are strong. Because I can tell you something, this is not about age. Sometimes we think that maybe previous generations were more likely to be resilient disciples. It's not true. It was just more culturally appropriate for them to go to church. The resilient disciples always end up being a remnant through every generation. And at every age and stage of your life, you're going to have to choose again. Will I have passion and persistence in my faith? Will I have fire in me and will I have form? Will this last the test of time? If I come and somebody doesn't run a program for me, am I a Christian still? If the wider culture disagrees with my belief, am I a Christian still? If my family puts me under pressure, am I a Christian still? If we have to have worship in our living rooms, am I a Christian still? Are we a Christian still, church? If it is up to you, will you be firm or will you fold? Will you have persistence and will you retain passion? And followers of Jesus, we need both the form and the fire. One on its own isn't enough. And so what Hebrews 12 gives us is not just what the form and the fire is, but how to do it, how to keep the form and the fire in our lives. Or as I'd encourage you to think about it, this, how do you cultivate both passion and persistence as a follower of Jesus? How do you do that? Now, this is a very famous passage, Hebrews 12. You may have heard of it before. It's a passage worth memorizing because of the way it reminds us of our goal as Christians. Not our mission. God's mission is to restore and redeem and renew all of creation back to himself. Not our commission, which is to make disciples of all nations, going out and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the word that God has placed in our hearts. That's God's mission. That's our commission. No, the goal, the goal of our lives is simple. It's the end point of our lives. You and I, we have an end point in our lives. We have a purpose. We have a reason for life. And it is this, to develop intimacy with Jesus. That is your goal. That is your life purpose. Your life has purpose. 
You are not here by accident. Hear me, someone needs to hear this today. You are not here by accident. You are not a mistake of evolution. You are a choice of creation. God sees you and made you and shaped you. You have a name that God has placed on you. There is a purpose in your life. There is a purpose in your life. But to find the purpose in your life, you need to understand that it is built around and centered around and discovered through intimacy with Jesus. Now, if that sounds a little strange for you, let me rephrase it this way. To know God deeply. To know God deeply. Now, I want you to imagine taking the best of every relationship you've ever been in, whether that's platonic or uh, familial or romantic. You put all those attributes together. Every great experience you've had in any kind of relationship. Now, imagine the worst of you, the very worst of everything you've ever been, ever done, ever said, ever thought, and package that up, and that's you in this moment. The best of every relationship in a person. The worst of every part of you in a person. That is the relationship you have with the God who chooses from this position of omnipotence, omniscience, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, seeing you and loving you far more than anyone has ever loved you before. Selflessly, without regrets, chasing you down to bring you home. That is the kind of relationship. That is knowing God and being known by God. The goal of our life is intimacy with God. Now, before we hit chapter 12, Hebrews 11 is is the famous hall of faith chapter that you might have read, where it talks about the faith of Moses and Abraham and Enoch and Noah and all these great heroes of the faith. And we get very fired up. And at the end of chapter 11, it tells us this, the various sufferings that the saints endured. And we get a little less fired up about that part, don't we? Get a little less excited about that. But it's a reminder that if you're going to faithfully follow God, it is difficult. It's never easy to follow God. In fact, if you think it's easy, you're probably not doing it right. If you're too comfortable in your faith and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, this isn't so bad, you are probably not effective. You are probably not living in the way that God wants you to. I know this is a hard word this morning, church. Just hold on. It's going to get good. See, the thing is, thanks, Jen. This is so weird. I've got the hype over here, got the camera here. I keep switching, switching. Here's the thing. The heroes of the faith, they fought on, they suffered, and they kept going. Why did they do that? Why? Here's why. They were running a race, and they knew the prize was worth winning. You only endure suffering like that if you know the prize is worth winning. Let me tell you, you only stay up all day to climb a mountain if you know that the view is going to be worth it at the end of it. You only run the race to get the prize if the prize is worth winning. And when the prize is intimacy with God, intimacy with the God of the universe who created you, who shaped and molded and chose everything around you, everything you could see or fathom or imagine, when that is the prize, that is worth pursuing. Amen? That is worth pursuing. And that is what intimacy with Jesus is. That's the goal. And that's not something we do by escaping to a monastery and running away. It's something we do by intentionally pursuing relationship with Jesus. That's the race. It's a prize greater than we can possibly imagine. And we sell our lives short when we forget that, don't we, church? We sell our lives short when we forget that. So this is what Hebrews 12 teaches us about this. Some important things to do. Here's the first thing. Hebrews 12 shows us that we have a race to run. We have a goal to reach. We've touched on this already, but that's the first thing we learn. Here's the second thing. Hebrews 12 reminds us that there are many obstacles in our way as we follow Jesus. Now, they look different for each of us. There might be anxieties over small problems. 
That might be you. You get really caught up over small things. It might be ambition to take the gospel and use it for self-advancement. We know like, I'm privileged to be able to speak and, and have influence for the sake of the gospel, but it's a privilege, and it is not about my personal ambition. It's about honoring and giving glory to God, and if I'm not doing that, I, I am corrupting a platform, corrupting influence. That's something we've got to put to death. That's an obstacle. It might be resentment of other people and bitterness. Or it might just be greeds and lusts that rise within us, the sins of the flesh, the stuff that seems easy, feels good in the moment, but leaves an eternal pain behind us. These are the things that catch us. This race is hard. It wasn't meant to be easy. It was meant to be true. It wasn't meant to be easy. It was meant to have purpose. That's what's going on when we're running the race. So there are obstacles in our way. Here's the third thing we learn. We learn how to run this race by keeping our eyes fixed firmly on Jesus. That's how we run the race. That means we remove those obstacles and distractions, yeah. But also, we just focus on Jesus. So think about it like a hurdler. If you've ever done the hurdles before, don't do the hurdles by staring at the hurdles. That is a bad way to run the hurdles. You are gonna fall flat on your face because even if you jump it, you're gonna land badly. You run the hurdles by looking ahead at the end and being aware of what's around you by jumping those obstacles and being aware of where you're running. That's the goal in the Christian life. You don't stare at the obstacles. You stare at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the source of our promise, the hope we have. That's where we fix our eyes. That's where we're looking. That's how we get past our distractions. If you right now are wrestling with sin, the way you solve that is not by beating yourself up and it's not by ignoring it. It is by fixing your eyes on Jesus. That's how. And here's the fourth thing we learn. We learn how we actually do it, like how we actually fix our eyes on Jesus. This is what Hebrews 12 says about that. Verse 3, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Can we fix our eyes on Jesus and remain focused on Jesus when we remember what God has done for us, what Jesus has gone through for us. He who gave everything on our behalf, abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. That's how we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's how in the race of our life, we can win. That's the purpose of your life, church, to know God and be known by God. That's it. That's it. Now, you may be wondering now, what has this got to do with fire and form, with passion and persistence? I'll tell you. It's this. In order for you to have the relationship with Jesus you really want, in order for you to have the purpose-filled life you're longing for, you are going to have to tend the fire and the form of your spiritual life. You will have to work intentionally on your passion and persistence. Okay, so let's start with passion. Passion's the first one. Passion is that spiritual fire you felt when you gave your life to Jesus. When you had that like heart beating faster, goosebumps, something in the pit of your stomach, palm sweaty kind of feeling. That's what happened when you gave your life to Jesus. And there was a passion in you. It stirs up within us. And I hope and pray that there have been so many times you have felt that when you've been filled by the Spirit of God and remembered, remembered and reminded of your great love for Him, when you've sensed His presence, when you've seen Him break through in your life and been overwhelmed by His love. You need passion in your faith, church, as, as Mark Sayers says, to do what human strength cannot. 
That's why you need passion. So you will cry out to God from the depths of your heart. As the Psalms say, deep crying out to deep, pouring ourselves out, saying, God, speak to me. I need you. Like Taryn was sharing in the giving tour. I need you in this moment. I don't have anything else. That's where we need our passion. We need breakthrough. We need freedom. We need joy and the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. Let me tell you, I am bored by the very concept of joyless Christians. I am offended by the concept of a joyless Christian. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have lost joy in your life, you need to hit a reset button. You need to rediscover your passion. It is outrageous to consider that we have the keys to the kingdom of God. We have the presence of God inside us and the Holy Spirit. We have the fire of God in our hearts. We have a mission to be about, a purpose and a hope. And we would then get boring, boring in our face. That's outrageous. Church, you need to set a reset button. Hit that reset button. This is what Christine Kane said about Paul in Malta and the fire of faith. She said this, You know, Paul goes to Malta and he's going about form stuff. He's building a fire. He's being practical. But he knows he wants that fire because you can't have fire without form. That's a message for another day. But he builds that form and he starts a fire. And let me tell you what happens when he starts a fire. When things start getting hot, a viper comes out and it latches itself onto Paul's arm. Now, Paul could have just gone, well, that's it for me. Bye. Do you know what he did? He shook it off. He shook off. Friends, when you're going to get fire in your life, When the Spirit of God lights up inside of you, you are going to have vipers attack. You're going to have things come out of nowhere. There are going to be obstacles and obstructions. There are going to be problems in your faith. There are going to be difficulties. They will come and latch onto you. You have a choice. Do you die from the poison or do you shake it off? You shake it off into the fire. No more joyless Christians. A life without passion is like deliberately living in grayscale. Come on. I told my kids the other day that it was only in the 1960s that colour came into the world. And they sort of half believe me. It's great. It's great. But nobody wants to live in grayscale. But by itself, passion runs out. I can't preach like that for my whole life. Preaching is like storytelling. You've got, you've got to have highs, you've got to have lows. Life is the same way. It has highs and it has lows. And when you hit those lows, let's say you've been on a camp and you have a a big spiritual high and you hit a low, what do you do? Well, some people go like, oh, I don't feel so good at the moment. I don't even know if God is really with me. Does God even exist? Like, What are you talking about? It's just a bit cloudy today. (laughs) We need persistence in our lives so that when the fire is at a low burn, we have form in place to help us go on. Now, what's persistence? Persistence and form, it's the refusal to give up. It's endurance. It's consistency. It's the understanding of one simple premise that the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. But it's a marathon of joy. I didn't even know those words could go together. But it's a marathon of joy. That's what I'm believing for. The Christian life is a marathon of joy. Step after step after step after step. See, persistence is the cultivation of specific forms, habits, spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines that you put in place day after day so that you're not waiting for the next spiritual high in order to believe that God is real again. And if you think it sounds boring, let me quote Beth Moore to you. She says this, that you need to become that person you've made fun of for taking Jesus too seriously. 
You need to become that person that you've been making fun of for taking Jesus too seriously. If you're like, oh, that might be true, but oh, that person's being a bit Christian. Like, listen to yourself. I, can't, I just can't believe it when people say that. Like, we're not talking about the Christian film industry here. We're, we're talking about people with a red hot, shots fired. We're, we're talking about people with a red hot burning fire for faith who also have spiritual habits and disciplines in their life. Do you know what it does? It invades their life. Every part of them becomes invaded with the presence of God so that the fire seems like it's every day because the form and structure has begun to so overtake them that this is who they are. Passion is what boosts you off the start line. Persistence is what sees you through the finish. Passion is what causes you to want to climb a mountain. Persistence is what causes you to actually get there. You need both. The key to having a lifelong relationship with God is about both because passion without persistence is shallow and persistence without passion is dry. But a relationship with Jesus that is powered by a passionate desire for His presence and is strengthened by regular spiritual habits that keep you consistent and focused on Jesus will last the test of time. You'll have an awesome faith. Church, hear me. I'm speaking this prophetically, but I'm also telling you what God wants you to hear. You will have an awesome faith if you do that, if you run without growing weary, if you have passion and persistence, fixing your eyes on Jesus and running the entire marathon. Let me tell you something. We've been talking about goals today. As we come towards a close, let me tell you about my personal life goal. Because my translation of this passage, of, of chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, as I think about it in the sense of what a goal is, is this. I want to be, for the goal of my life, not this, the goal for everyone's life is intimacy with Jesus. This is how I translate it for me. The goal of my life is to be the gentle, quiet old man at the back of the church who is always encouraging, always prayerful, always building up. I want to be the one who is always investing in teenagers, even when they very clearly don't know how to talk to an old guy. I want to be the one who is so full of grace that people smile when they see me and when they leave. I'm not their church. That's the end of my marathon. That's what I'm running towards. Not that I've already achieved this or I'm already anything, but this one thing I know, casting aside what is behind and fixing my eyes on what is ahead, I run with endurance the race that is set before me. That's what Paul says. I want to be the one who is always praying for people, who when my time leading a church is done, puts aside ministry and puts aside a platform and influences sheerly and purely through love and kindness and grace and generosity. See, my life goal, church, is approachable holiness. I want to be as close as I can to holy as close as I can to Jesus, but not in a way like, look at me, I'm up on the mountaintop, but approachable, that you can come and sit and we'll pray together and that you know that I've been praying for you in the meantime. That's the goal of my life, approachable holiness. That's the goal for me and that's the goal for you. I don't want you to look at your faith as something that's exciting but flames out. And I don't want you to look at your faith as some long lasting, boring trudge towards eternity and you're just like, well, I guess Jesus is coming back eventually. <sighs> I want you to look at your faith in a way that has passion and persistence. I want you to know the depth of the love that Jesus has for you. And I want you to hold on to it with all your life. Passion and persistence, 
form and fire. That's the goal of your life, church. That's the goal of your life. Passion and persistence, form and fire. Now, let me tell you something. The reason we need form and fire is because when we have enough people who have form and fire together, we get something called renewal. And when we get enough people who are pursuing renewal across the world, we begin to get something called revival. And that's what this world needs. The reason that song, God of Revival, resonates so deeply is because we are hungry for revival as a world. We are desperate for the presence of God in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need the Spirit to stir us up, not just to feel good, but to run that marathon. And as we run the marathon, to do things that are worthy of building the Kingdom of God, that are sowing into people, that are investing in people. But the problem is so many of us Christians, we've lost our passion or we've lost our persistence. And today, whether it's this morning or tonight as you're hearing it, whether you're watching me right here in church, whether you're in your living rooms, in a watch party, wherever you are, God wants you to rediscover your passion. God wants you to commit to persistence. You know, there's four kinds of people who might be watching. The first is you've been over-churched and you've lost your passion. In fact, you're probably a bit too religious. Happens to the best of us. For those of you, you like this, you lack the passion. You know God intellectually. You know it. And you're probably coming to church every week. And you've had the passion, but it's fallen away. And and for you, I want to pray for Holy Spirit revival in your hearts. I'm going to do that in just a moment. Revelations 2.4 says this. Jesus says to the church, this one thing I hold against you, you have forgotten your first love. When we lose passion, it's because we forget that our first love is Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you are de-churched because you've got no persistence. Or maybe you're not de-churched, but you're on track to be de-churched because you've become too shallow in your faith. And if that's you, for those who lack the persistence, that is you love God, but you find yourself so easily ensnared, like Hebrews says, all the time. You're sinning, you're slipping up. I wanna pray for Holy Spirit resolve, a resolve to hold firm. This is what Paul says about this in Galatians 5, 7. He said, you were running superbly. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? That's the life of us when we are unable to have persistence. Or maybe you're here and you're actually post-churched. You've somehow got onto this uh, today as we've been streaming or you're watching the replay and you're post-church. You're not in church at all. That's because you're too rebellious. You don't understand that part of being a follower of Jesus is finding community to be refined in. You may have lost your passion and your persistence, but you're still holding on to Jesus just enough. Can I tell you this? There is still hope. There is redemption for you. What you need is repentance. I'm praying for Holy Spirit repentance for you. Let me just pray for you. If that's you, these three groups, as the band comes back up, I wanna pray for these three groups. First of all, if that's you, you're overchurched, you've lost your passion. I wanna pray for that Holy Spirit renewal right now. Jesus, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? If that's you just in your living rooms in this place, stretch out your hands towards God. Don't be ashamed. You are going to need to do something here. You're going to need to lean in. If you want your passion restored, you're going to have to physically respond. Show Jesus what that means. Wherever you are right now, wherever you are right now, Holy Spirit, pour out your renewal, pour out your revival fire on these people in Jesus' Name. Lord, we just cry out that they would know your presence, that they would feel your presence, that they would sense the depth 
the strength of your presence, Lord, in their life right now. Would you restore their first love to them in Jesus' Name, Lord? We pray a blessing. We pray hope. We pray a future over them. We pray that they would know that they can have the faith they felt at first restored to them. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Or maybe you have that passion. You're that second group. You know you need persistence. I want to pray that Holy Spirit resolve for you right now. If that's you, stretch out your hands. You're already passionate. You probably got them stretched out already. Stretch out your hands. I want to pray for you. If that's you, you know you lack persistence in your faith. Holy Spirit resolve right now. God, I, I thank you for the passion of people. I thank you that they, they have had a passion in their faith to begin with. Just like I thank you for the persistent people who always show up, who know you and keep showing up. But for passionate people struggling with persistence, Lord, would you strengthen them in Jesus' name, Lord? We pray that your Holy Spirit right now is coming upon them, giving them some wisdom, giving them firm boundaries and guidance about what to do. Lord, that they're making disciplined decision in Jesus' name to be in the Scripture, to be reading to be reading the Scriptures, to be memorizing Scriptures, to be praying, to have accountability partners, to be fasting, to be pressing into the presence of God in a way that is consistent over time so that they have patterns of renewal. They have forms in their life. God, would you give them that? May this right now for them not be a spiritual high moment, but a moment of strengthening and of resolve and of a sense that now something will shift. It's not because I feel good, but it's because God is calling me to shift and grow more like Him. Pray that in Jesus' name. And finally, I want to pray for those who are post-churched. You're in your homes, you're watching this, and you feel like you're either barely coming to church or you're barely struggling with faith. You've got a lot of things that you need to lay down. Praying for Holy Spirit repentance for you. Remember, I can't see you. You're not coming down the front. You're not doing anything. This is between you and Jesus. If that's you, I want to encourage you to be bold enough to stretch out your hands and receive this and confess repentance and just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I've been rebellious against you, against the church. I've tried to do this my own way and it's led me into the desert when you want to lead me into the promised land right now. I repent of my sin. I repent of that rebellion. I lay it down. Lord, would you give me structures of persistence? Would you give me the Spirit of God inside me, the fire of passion in Jesus' name? And would you make me new again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.